If you're looking for inspiration and challenge in the world of early years and Key Stage 1 education, then you've just found it. Welcome to the Early Excellence Podcast. Just before we get started with the podcast, I just wanted to let you know about our free Early Excellence Room Planning Service. If refurbishing your classroom is a high priority for you this year, then really our service is just for you. Uh, We can come to your school or we can work uh, remotely with you. Uh, We will create a, a design for your classroom space. So thinking carefully about the positioning of the furniture and making sure that each of those areas earns its place within the room. We'll work with you and your team to support and discuss with you the key thinking around creating a really inspiring learning environment and we'll help you get the most out of your indoor or your outdoor spaces. Um, if you want to know more about the service, um, do get in touch with us. Uh, so my email address is just andy at earlyexcellence.com. You can get in touch with me or there's lots of information about it on the Early Excellence website. Hello, everybody. Welcome along to episode 34 of the Early Excellence podcast. On the podcast this week, we've got me, Andy Burt, and my colleague, Luella Ivans. Our curriculum focus for this week is on understanding the world. Luella and I discuss a range of children's books that will inspire many rich learning conversations. Okay, so we're going to be talking all about understanding the world. And in particular, we're going to focus in on using books as a great opportunity to share with children concepts and ideas and discuss concepts and ideas with children using books as a starting point. Um, Often, I think the the most effective settings that I've worked with or I've visited or I know about their practice um, often are settings that I think are really prepared to see those starting points, even quite often the li- really little starting points that come up in conversations through books, through stories, through sharing different things with children. I often find that the most inspirational practice is where settings are prepared to absolutely run with it, to run with an idea or concept, often using a book or an illustration from a book as a starting point. Um, We talked on the podcast um, a few months ago, actually, to um, Maeve and Jasmine from from Co-op Primary Academy, Oakwood in Leeds. And they use books particularly effectively, I think, really effectively to share ideas and concepts with children. And certainly within, within the new framework, there are, there are lots of mentions of, of that kind of practice, that idea of using books, using stories as a starting point, and then really challenging the children, which I think is something that, that Maeve and Jasmine do so well, that using a, having a starting point, but then seeing how far it can go, really developing it as far as you can go, challenging the children's ideas, challenging their thinking, keeping adding new stimuli, really thinking carefully about about what it is that the children are doing and what they're thinking about, all of those different sorts of things. So there's lots within the new framework here. Um, what's, what's important, I think, to rec- recognise is that whenever we're sharing books with young children, books don't usually fit neatly into 
that kind of just one straightforward forward idea that this is understanding the world. They're far more holistic than that, that usually within a book, you've got one page or two pages that might be about one, that might support you in focusing in on one concept. But then you turn the page and actually we're talking more about something like PSED, for example. And that it's that combination, that holistic nature that I think is important to embrace really when we're talking about effective EYFS practice. Things don't fall into our laps as neat packages in terms of the framework. But that doesn't mean to say that we should steer away from them. We've got, I think we have to have that awareness of the holistic nature of children's learning, but also the holistic nature of children's books. And often the best books have that holistic nature to them. Um, I think you've got one of the books there, Luella, that you picked out. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of those books that that really comes to mind when we think of that holistic nature is, is Oliver Jeffers' How to Catch a Star. Um, it really is such a lovely book. And I think it's often used really, really effectively to support the teaching of personal, social and emotional development. Um, but when we're thinking about understanding the world, this book really does have a lot to offer as well. So I just wanted to share that with you, really. Um, it's such a lovely book. And if you haven't read it, definitely recommend you do do give it a read. It's about a little boy who absolutely loves the stars and he watches them from his window every night and he wishes he had one of his own. And he talks about how um, the little boy plays hide and seek with the star at night and he thinks the star is his friend. And actually, whilst we're talking here about PSED and friendship, there's also a real opportunity for us as teachers to talk about those scientific natural world concepts here as well so why is does the boy think he's playing hide and seek with the star what might be happening talking about day and night and actually talking about that idea of the, of the star being there all the time but it's not being able to see it in the same way all the time and there's lots of opportunities within that book to um, further talk about understanding the world and, and that idea of the natural world. And, and it is such a lovely book. I mean, it goes on to talk about how um, the boy gets up early to try and catch the star. Um, he sets out at sunrise to see if he could find the star. So you can talk here about um, the timings of the day and there's opportunities there to, to broaden that into seasons as well. Um, and it goes on to talk about just before the sun was about to go away, the boy saw the star. So again, you can talk about why that might be. And you can talk about how um, the boy could try and catch the star because that's the theme of this book. He wants to catch the star from the sky and bring it down to be his friend. So he tries lots of different ways. He tries to uh, lasso the star um, using a life belt. Um, lots of imaginative, um, creative thinking going on here as well. And he talks about how he might fly up in his spaceship to get the star. Um, perhaps he could use a seagull to help help him get the star and actually then towards the end it talks about how he notices something floating in the water and how it was the prettiest star he's ever seen it's a baby star and the little boy thinks that the star must have fallen from the sky 
So again, there's a real opportunity here for you to talk about that idea of reflection and those natural processes um, that happen within the world. And actually what the boy isn't seeing is two different stars. Instead, he's seeing one star and its reflection. And then it goes on to talk about how the boy might reach that star. And he watches and waits and actually the star washes up on the bright golden sand at the end. So again, opportunities there to talk about tides changing. Um, it's packed full of understanding the world concepts. And what I would say, and I'm sure you'll agree with me here, Andy, is that it really is about unpicking these books and really thinking about what can we explore with the children? What are the possibilities that this book offers? Because thinking about how to catch a star by Oliver for Jeffers, there's PSED opportunities in there, but there's also those understanding the world opportunities. And then within that, there are obviously other opportunities there for talking um, uh, about the illustrations as well. So you've got expressive arts and design. So as Andy said, it, it really is that kind of holistic picture and, and thinking about those possibilities that the books offer. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a fantastic story too. I think, I think what really sort of sets settings like um like co-op primary primary academy um, oakwood apart are those 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 depths of conversations that they tend to have where they they keep going with with a, with an idea or a concept um you know like using a book like that and then seeing how far it will go so that kind of project kind of approach that in-depth project approach i think is so fascinating um if people are wanting to know more about it actually you know what we talked to um, as I say, we talked to Maven Jasmine from from um, Oakwood just a couple of months ago, and it's there on the podcast. So um, they're talking about their book, which is called Rainbow Birds, which details how details their practice and details how they go about using books or artwork or photographs as a starting point for discussions and conversations. So yeah, really interesting stuff, and certainly books like that are fantastic too. Um, so yeah, I've I've picked out. Um, you've got that, that Oliver Jeffers book, which is a fantastic storybook. I've picked out um, non-fiction books as well because I think that we often focus in on stories, but we don't necessarily think enough about non-fiction books too. And that yeah, actually non-fiction books will often be really fascinating to children. That children will often um, focus in on one particular page something that interests them, something that fascinates them, or maybe scares them. Um, I remember my children, my own children, um, we used to have at home on our bookshelf, we, we used to have this um, family first aid book. And um, it had within it a page, within this family first aid book, it had a page on bee and wasp stings. And I can remember one of our boys, I think it was our, our, our middle boy, Harry, he found it fascinating. He just wanted to keep going back to it. it was a, and it was a book that wasn't, of course, designed for children, but it was, it was, he found it fascinating. And I think it was partly because he was quite scared. You know, he had that sort of, uh, that didn't, he, he was really unsure about it. And, and that this, this particular book was a good way of him kind of developing his understanding, really about bees and about wasps. So yeah, I think non-fiction books, I think, provide something a bit different too. I think it's quite interesting. So I've picked out a few books. Um, so one, one particular book 
is this book here, which is called The Usborne First Encyclopedia of the Human Body. We'll put a link to these books on uh, the information from the podcast. So you can click on them and go straight to them so you can see them and explore them yourself. But this book is great in that it is a non-fiction book. It is designed for young children, but it's also not afraid to go into real depth. So you've got a diagram of the human heart and how the human heart pumps blood around the body, about feeling for your pulse, about, um, about all sorts of different things. So um, breathing and breathing problems, breathing in terms of your lungs, what do your lungs look like, where are your lungs within your body, um, breathing problems in terms of needing to use an inhaler, which of course many children will need to. Um, all sorts of different things, exploring your teeth, exploring food, uh, eating food, water within your body, all sorts of different things, how your kidneys work. So real detail here in terms of the human body. Um, so I would really recommend this. I think that this is the sort of book that will draw children in, in terms of asking questions, wondering about things, and having that real high expectation for children in terms of curiosity. So a fantastic book, The Usborne First Encyclopedia of the Human Body. I definitely recommend that. And then to go with that, I'd actually go with other smaller books that actually tap into children's interests and questions and fascinations. So you'll often find that there, there will be a child who has an experience of being in hospital within your class, uh, either because a family member is going into hospital a lot or has been into hospital or they visited somebody in hospital or maybe they've been in hospital themselves. And um, Child's Play have brought out a book called Hospital, so it's called First Time Hospital, and it's illustrated by Jess Stockham. And it's a really straightforward book, really simple book, um, but at the same time goes into quite a lot of detail about the different things that happen within a hospital. So um, waiting in the waiting room, to from that to um, having a checkup, to... Uh, waiting for an x-ray and looking at the x-ray machine, um, looking at the x-ray on a screen, um, talking about um, the idea of having an operation and maybe staying the night in hospital, um, people visiting other people within hospital, all sorts of things here that many children will actually be quite familiar with. And so that book, First Time Hospital, illustrated by Jess Stockham, I definitely recommend. And then another book about people who help us. There's a series of these people who help us books. Um, they, this one is by Rebecca Hunter, and it's called Nurse. And it's by Tulip Books. Tulip Books. And there's a whole series. There's one on dentists, one on doctors, one on firefighters. Um, one on lifeboat crew member, um, there's one on police officers, vets, farmers, uh, all sorts of different things here that you can, that you can use. And again, there's, a, there's real detail there in terms, of, in terms of the different roles of the different people that they focus in on. Okay, so I think well we're thinking about non-fiction books and how you use them with your class. Um, is it possible to use non-fiction books as part of small group work? Do you have some non-fiction books perhaps within some areas of provision?
Okay, so certainly, certainly lots to think about there. Books around the human body and about hospitals and people who help us. Okay. Um, Luella, have you got others as well there to share? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was thinking more down the uh, the natural world route again and, and thinking about some, some of those concepts that, that you were talking about that, that children might be familiar with but might not have a depth of knowledge in. So I always think one of those is children are fascinated, aren't they, by sea life. Um, and it's always a, a topic that lots of people touch on because children are naturally interested in sharks and they're naturally interested in um, crustaceans and things like that. And and you will see children gravitating towards small world that involves water play and thinking about sea creatures. And I think when we talk about the natural world, it's important that we really think about um, providing children with with concepts that are familiar to them, but also providing them with information about things that maybe they only have a little bit of knowledge about so we can ex- extend that thinking. Um, so one of the books that I love and I think does that really, really well is Commotion in the Ocean, and that's by Giles Andrea. Um, and it is beautifully illustrated as well. It is so beautiful. But this book's lovely because it picks up on those, it talks about sea creatures um, in detail and it picks up on those sea creatures that children have probably been exposed to through uh, the media. They may have seen them on TV or in films, um, but they don't know much about them. So it gives children a little bit more information um, and it really describes those those creatures in more detail. And I think it's lovely because, um, as I said, it is beautifully illustrated, but the illustrations really support that understanding of the world as well. So, for example, where um, it talks about crabs and turtles, we actually see the crabs and the turtles um, on the beach. So we can have those conversations about are they sea creatures, but they also live on land, Um you know, you can have those conversations around categorization as well. Um, so there's lots of opportunities for talk. And this book really um, encourages communication and talk. And one way it does that is, and, and I love this, is the whole book um, is done in small parts. So there's small poems for each animal. And I think that that's really nice because it isn't overload about one animal, but it it covers lots and lots of animals throughout the book, but in a really fun way. So we know that rhyme and poetry and talk and conversation are a huge part of the new framework. And actually, these books really, they do that job for us. They talk, um, they, they use really good vocabulary. It's high level. It's really interesting. They use rhyme. And it just prompts some really good conversations with children. So I'll give you an example of of one of the rhymes that's in here. Um, So it says it's about dolphins and it says the wonderful thing about dolphins is hearing them trying to speak. But it's not how do you do like I'd say to you. It's more of a click whistle squeak. And I think that's really nice because it describes dolphins really well. It's really child friendly. But it also gives them a little bit of information about dolphins that they might not have already known about the way that dolphins communicate. Um, So it is a really lovely book. 
And it's really nice because it's got facts in there, but it's it's delivered in a really um, child-friendly way with the poems and the rhymes. Um, and again, I wish I could show you this book because the illustrations um, are really beautiful. Um, but as Andy said, we will put a link in for you to be able to have a look at that. So that's Commotion in the Ocean by Giles Andrea. Um, and linking in with that, there's another book that I think sits really nicely alongside Commotion in the Ocean. And, and as a teacher myself, I used to use these two books hand in hand. And this the other book is Billy's Bucket by Kez Gray. Um, it's a lovely book. And now this is more of a narrative. So it's in a narrative style. And Billy is desperate for a book, uh, a bucket for his birthday. And his parents... Um, are a little bit taken aback, you know, they're saying, well, you can't have a bucket for your birthday, you have to have something a bit more interesting. <laughs> um, but he really wants this bucket. So he goes to Buckets R Us, um, which I think is a fantastic name for a shop for buckets. <laughs> and he goes and chooses his bucket on the shelf. And there's maths in here as well. He talks about the location of the bucket. The one that I want is 19 shelves up, 78 along from the left. So there's opportunities to talk about maths in there. But the concept of this book, book really is that Billy gets this bucket for his birthday that he really wants. And once he fills it with water, his parents think his imagination has gone wild because Billy looks into the bucket and each day he sees something different. So on the first day, he says, wow, I can see a rock pool with crabs and seaweed and little shrimpy things. So again, it links in really nicely with that commotion in the ocean book and that idea of the natural world and sea creatures. Um, but it's it's delivered in a narrative form. And the book goes on for Billy seeing different things in his book each day. There's a shark in there. Um, he's seen a stingray and clownfish and a, a shoal of barracudas. And he thinks he's seen a mermaid as well. And this book goes on with his parents not believing him and, and thinking he's being really silly. And then it turns out at the end that he wasn't being silly at all. And when his parents borrowed his bucket, a huge whale appeared in the middle of the road. Um, so there's some real humour in there as well. It is a lovely book and it really does draw children in. Um, and it, it links in really nicely with Commotion in the Ocean. So I think the two go in hand really, really well. Have Have you read Billy's Bucket, Andy? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I love Billy's Bucket. It's it's a classic, I think. The, the illustrations are fantastic. It's, yeah, it, like you say, it's very funny. Um, I was saying earlier on, wasn't that, that um, it, it will always have a special place in my heart because it's a book that I once read when being observed Um for uh, for an interview that I had for a deputy head teacher post, and and I got the job, so and so yeah, I read the story. We listened to some music, which was kind of underwater themed music, some Brian Eno music that was underwater themed. We did um, lots of um, movement linked to being under the sea and what we might see when we were under the sea, and then we did drawings and labelled drawings of what we might see under the sea and in our buckets um, and it did the job it did the trick which is all good so it would always have a special place in my heart I think and I think it just shows you the possibilities as well doesn't it that you can you know read one book and so much learning can come come from one story um, which I think is always you know really lovely it comes back to that idea of it being really these books being really holistic in their approach to supporting learning in the early years 
Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's a brilliant one. Um, I've got another one here, um, and that is uh, the last one for me, and that is um, A First Book of Nature by Nicola Davies. Um, this, it's quite a thick book. It's, it's by no means just a sort of a, a straightforward uh, book that you would read within one session. It is a book really to have with you right the way through the year um, because it's a book that you can use pretty much you know, in, in every season. Um, it's beautifully illustrated again. Um, this is by, illustrated by Mark Hurled, who's quite a well-known artist, actually. He's, he's just um, had an exhibition at the Yorkshire Sculpture Park fairly recently. Um, and yeah, the, his illustrations are fantastic. And the poems that are within this book are a perfect accompaniment, I think, to something like a, you know, a nature table or an investigation table, if you might have a sort of a space in your room where, where you might have something seasonal, this is a perfect book to go alongside it. Um, my, our colleague Matthew, Matthew Sayer, talked at a recent event that we did at, at the centre here in Huddersfield. Um, we had an open event and he was talking recently about the importance of children connecting with nature. You know, so going on nature walks and rambles, collecting different things at different times of the year, bringing them back to the classroom or the outdoor area, looking closely at them, observational drawing, all of those different sorts of things. And, and this book is, is the perfect link to that, I think. It has, um, it's beautifully illustrated, as I say, all the way through, has poems, a poem on every page, linked to a different point in the year or to living creatures, um, so you've got, you've got um, creatures on land, you've got birds, you've got the coast as well. I just picked out this poem, which is a great poem, all about exploring on the beach, beach combing. So um, all about exploring the beach. And it goes like this, it goes, seaweed streamers, seagull bones, and urchin shells chipped and white as china cups. Shing shingle jewels in blue and green that were once bits of broken bottle. Tins with funny writing from a country half a world away. A single shoe, a plastic star. Old, old wood, so worn and grey it could be from a pirate galleon. A giant rope, thicker than your leg, and a line of pink shells in a perfect row. It's, it's fantastic in that it's beautifully written and I, I think it's, it's exactly the sort of thing that if you've just been exploring the beach or exploring on a snowy day or been for a walk with your children to the local park but at a particular time of year at harvest time or um, in the winter perhaps, then it's the perfect book that will have just the right poem that you'll be able to share with your children. Okay, so yeah, that's a, a great one. The other thing I think is important to think about there in relation to all of these different books is to think about in which areas of provision, really, you might have these books. In that you don't really... Of course, it would be great to have these books in your book area, or each of them could belong within your book area. But I also think that there'll be some children within your room who probably won't choose to go to your book area that they will choose, first of all, to go to other areas before the book area. And, that, and for those children particularly, I think we need to sometimes bring books to them. 
And so having books within the small world and blocks area, having books within the construction area, having books within the different spaces around your room, I think is important to consider. So for example, in the small world and blocks area, you might be thinking about having non-fiction books relating to, relating to story settings, perhaps, relating to the world around us, books relating to aerial photographs and maps. Within the small construction area, you might be thinking about design, about books relating to vehicles, about books relating to buildings of different sorts from around the world, different, different ways of building buildings. That there are lots of different ways of exploring and understanding the world. That it doesn't just happen at story time, of course. You know, we've, we've shared books here that, that are fantastic for that, of course. But I would also recommend that there ought to be some books within those different provision areas too. Um, what were, you, were you thinking about the same sort of thing, Luella, there? Yeah, I think with the two books that I shared with you, Commotion in the Ocean and Billy's Bucket, I think they're perfect for your water area. So thinking about how you can be bringing books into areas where you perhaps wouldn't normally. And we're not saying, you know, have have paperback books in the water tray. <laughs> um, but we're thinking about how they can link in with some of the learning that's happening. So it might be that children are you know, engaging with that play in the water area. And then you might draw their attention to Billy's Bucket um, to further extend that thinking around their imagination and what they might find in a bucket and what could be in their special bucket. So thinking about how those books link in with other areas of provision, I think are really, really important. And and there's some areas will lend themselves really well to books. Others, such as the water area, you might want to think about having a little basket nearby um, rather than having them directly on the shelf, for example. So there you go. Lots of books there that are great for extending children's understanding of the world around them. Now, if you found the episode useful, then please do share it with colleagues um, and online as well. Um, there's lots there that I think will support um, new teachers or early career teachers. Um, and if people are just looking for a bit of inspiration in terms of how they can use books to support children's learning in different ways. Um, you can also subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you happen to choose so spotify google apple all the main ones were on all of those and you you can subscribe to us on there um that's about it for us for this week thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week <laughs>